So this morning we're going to look at the theme of forgiveness. Uh, all in, the, in about, you know, 25, 30 minutes. Just stay with me for a moment or two as we look at this parable, this story, this account that Jesus shares with some people that were around him when they began to ask him about forgiveness and life. And I pray that this morning, what we, what we look at together will be practical, life-related, just as helpful today, 2,000 years later, when Jesus shared 2,000 years ago with people around him. Because we're looking at life, kingdom life. And we've been looking at this idea that we, are, as Christians, are to be of a kingdom culture, uh, the attitude and heart and life of the kingdom of God. And we've been spending time looking at that. And so Jesus shares something about life from God's cultural perspective, from a kingdom view on life. And this is incredibly important if life is to go well for us. So this is something that will be foundational and helpful to the whole very center of our beings and our lives. Not just in church, but life. Bottom line. So you'll need to look at your Bible from time to time because we're gonna, it's going to be a sort of message that we will go back to the text and have a look at it. So stay with me for a moment or two. So just to introduce the context then. So Peter comes to Jesus and says, to asking about forgiveness and says, Peter, shall I forgive up, you know, how many times? Seven times? And Jesus says to him, 77 times, or seven times 77, depending on what the translation says in front of you, but 77 times. Um, there's something about the law. Uh, the law looks for limits, loopholes, but grace is generous. And Jesus teaches a principle here. Bear in mind that in the Jewish background of this, this story, uh, the Peter and the people of the day would have been accustomed to the law at that moment in time, the commandments of God, how to live life. It was called the law. And Peter is saying up to seven times, the rabbis of the day taught that you could forgive up to three times, and then that was enough. So Peter saying seven times was pretty amazing. But he is then astounded when Jesus shares something that is absolutely revolutionary. It caused an eruption. It would have caused an explosion. It would have scattered everything when Jesus shared something incredible. He said, no, not seven times, and that sounds amazing when you're taught three times. He says 77 times. What does that mean? It means this idea of elasticity. There is no limitation to our heart's desire. With God, God is generous. We read in John 3.16 that God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son. There's something in the heartbeat of God, the character of God, that is limitless. Hence, we've now heard about our, the national youth uh, organization being called limitless. With God, God is limitless. There is no bound. There are no boundaries, no limits to his love. And he imparts that sense of limitless love. Remember, we've been looking at this idea of agape over the last few weeks, this limitless love into the hearts of men, women, and children, you and I to this day. And so Jesus is sharing this idea that God's love has no limits Grace is generous. We don't look for loopholes or limits in life. We are called to be generous in love, generous in mercy, generous in forgiveness. Now, that's a challenging thing, and we're going to look at that in the next few moments. But this is what Jesus introduces to the people around him. 
Um, God's agape, God's love is a releasing grace that is completely generous. And this is what Jesus introduces, that we are to be a releasing people, carrying the releasing grace, the releasing love of God, not only in our hearts and lives, but then giving that away. Um, And that's where we're going to uh, go. Forgiveness Forgiveness is an, uh, an, an interesting uh, to, in, to forgive as, as an interesting word. In the actual translation that it's written in the day there in Matthew 18, it literally means a debt cancelled and to be released from guilt. It has two parts to it: a cancellation of debt and a release of guilt. It's a cancellation of a debt and a release of guilt. And so when God forgives you and I of our sin. He cancels the debt and releases us from the guilt. Jesus Christ paid the price. There's no, you know, it's, no, it's free. The gift is free to you and I, but paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so forgiveness, God's forgiveness to you and I as human beings, through Jesus, the debt he cancels and he releases. So there's this idea of cancelling the debt and releasing the debtor. You know, because you're freed, you're loosed, you're untied. You're, you're just limit. there's no limitations on you. And this is the understanding with God's forgiveness. There are no limitations. We're now freed, free as a bird. This, the, I think, is it, is it the Psalms and the, uh, talks about being freed like a bird from the cage? And... Um, that's the sort of translation there. The old English word to forgive, our word to forgive, the way it's translated today, comes from a, an old English word, forgave uh, fan, and it has um, a number of parts to it. It has this idea of for, which means completely, and gay fan means give. Really interesting, this word to forgive in old English. For, gay fan. For means completely, and gayfan means give. So there's this idea of completely set free, completely paid for, completely freed. It's a whole picture of God's heart and character. There is a no limitation, no loophole. That's what grace is all about. It's incredible. It's outstanding. It's astounding. It's, in, it's amazing. And we talk about, when the writers talk about amazing grace... It is just that, that God should love me and love you, even though when we were still sinners, it says Christ died for us. That's complete, limitless, no strings attached. It's not because Adrian is good enough, Adrian has tried hard enough, Adrian even reads the Bible and comes to church a bit enough. It's before all of that, even when I turn my back on God, there are no limitations. And this is what Jesus is introducing. This is what Jesus is introducing to Peter and his friends. And then he goes on to say, and so therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he shares a story that encapsulates forgiveness and shows the heart or the spirit or attitude that we should have in life. The kingdom of heaven. This is so important. This is a kingdom value. Forgiveness is a kingdom value. In other words, the the whole light of limitless, complete Release and giving, giving our lives to God, giving our lives to others, is a kingdom value. It's the values that we should hold on to. It's something that we should be released in. Remember, we're talking this idea of being a kingdom culture. The culture of our world is a consumer culture. We've We've been looking at seeking, getting our priorities on God. 
And there's this idea now that Jesus shares. He says, the kingdom of heaven is, this is a foundation for the whole of life. It's an important foundational kingdom value. Then he goes on to tell the story of the debt of two servants. One servant comes before his master, and the debt is staggering, the first one. You'll see it reads there, it says 10,000 bags of gold. In another translation, it says 10,000 talents of gold. Interesting. The NIV translates it 10,000 bags, the debt as 10,000 bags of gold. In the more literal translations, it will talk of the debt being 10,000 talents of gold. A talent was a measurement of weight, and it was something within the region of 60 to 80 pounds. Think of a 10-pound bag of potatoes from Aldi's. This is 60 to 80 pounds of pure gold coins. It's incredible. The the value of one talent, I am told, the value of one talent, in other words, one of these 10,000 bags of gold, would have been 20 years of a day laborer's wage. The value of one of these bags of gold, and bearing in mind, he owed 10,000, so 10,000 times 20 years. Is that 200,000 years or something like that? It's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot of years. It's, you can't pay it back. It's outstanding. It's, it's, inc- it's impossible. This guy was hopeless and helpless. This one bag is 20 years. Multiply that by 10,000. 10,000 times 20 years to pay back. In other words, this picture is of someone who could never pay it back. And yet he says, have mercy on me and I'll pay it back. Staggering. Staggering. I understand, and I've read, that the entire tax revenue of the provinces of Idumea, Judea, and Samaria, that's about three quarters of Palestine today, would have come to 600 talents. And this man owed 10,000. The entire tax revenue for a year of three of the provinces. This was a king's ransom. And even a king would find it would break his bank. This guy had no hope. This, and this is a picture of our indebtedness in sin with God. You know, there's no one is good enough. Our indebtedness to God is of a similar nature to this 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. And an incredible picture then is of the master who is moved with compassion, cancels the debt, and releases the man from his indebtedness, and sets him free. That's forgiveness. That's, this is a picture of incredible mercy, incredible generosity. And a little later on, we come in the story, and the same man who's just been released from this debt that you could never pay finds a fellow servant. And the fellow servant owes, happens to owe this man. And um, we read in the story that... Um, it says that he fell on his knees. Be patient with me, and um, I will pay you back what I owe. He owed him a hundred silver coins. In the original translation, it says uh, something like a hundred denarii. The first man, ten thousand talents. Remember, thousands and thousands of bags of gold. Now the second man, it was a hundred denarii or a hundred silver coins. So the second man owned 100 silver coins. Now, I understand, as I've read, that 100 silver coins would have been 
a hundred days' wages. It was one silver coin for a day laborer's wage. One day, one silver coin for a day laborer's wage. So the second man owed a hundred days' wages. The first man was forgiven 200,000 years' worth of wages. This, is, this, this story is just mind-blowing in mercy and unforgiveness. And then there's a, the end, there's a punchline at the end. And so the second man, it's a hundred days. He could have paid back in a hundred days his uh, debt. And he uses the same words as the first man. You know, have mercy on me and I'll pay you back. But what happens is the first guy, you would have thought by now, would be thinking, you know, I've been so blessed and forgiven. Of course I'll let you. you know, I'll. But he gets hold of him goes to throttle him and puts him in prison. I mean, that was legal. You could do those things. You could legally, if somebody owed you, you could, you, know, you could sell them into slavery so that they could pay the debt and you could have them in a, um, a debtor's prison until that debt was paid. So legally, you could do all those things. So there's this incredible story of forgiveness by the master and the unforgiveness of the servant. And it's a complete contrast. And, and the, the story has implications for your life and my life. So, what are those implications? Three things. Number one, life is built on a foundation of forgiveness. Our lives, whether we like it or not, when Jesus says, therefore the kingdom, and shares this story of forgiveness, life, relationship, our relationship with God, our relationship with each other, husband, wife, friends, neighbors, colleagues, work, any human being that you're near to see, our relationships is based and built on the foundation of forgiveness. Forgiveness is releasing grace. There's this idea of being generous, big of heart, whereby we, we will cancel debts and release people. And that, that will come not just when something bad has happened to us in life. It's an attitude. When Jesus says 70 times 7, he's talking about a heart attitude that's releasing, that's big, that's generous. A generous heart. Generous in love. Generous in forgiveness. Generous with our time. Limitless. No abandon, in, as it were, with God. It's a releasing grace. Um, God's love gives. It's generous. That's why in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about love holds no record of wrongs. Love is patient. Love is kind. You know, we we read it at weddings, don't we? But 1 Corinthians 13, read it again when you look at limitless grace, when you look at forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 13 is love, but it's equally about forgiveness. It's about the limitless generosity of God. And so God's love gives. It's generous for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only, the best, his best son, what Jesus is teaching here is that true heart, true God heart, true love for God will be like God. It will be a heart that is loving, that's God love, agape love, generous love, releasing grace love. And we'll live like that and we'll be like that. Now to do that, first of all, we need to drink from the fountain of forgiveness. We need to receive that forgiveness we need to receive that forgiveness. And so maybe you're here this morning, you've never done that. But we need to be in a place where we've come to heaven, our heavenly father. Where we've said to him, I want to make my peace, put myself right with you. I want to live for you and need to follow you. And I need to come to that place where I come and ask forgiveness myself for living for me. It's called repentance. Living for me is sin without God in the equation. Living for myself without God is sin. Christians can still sin when we live without God. 
And so we're called to uh, live for God, trust God. And so I need to come to that first place where I drink from that fountain of forgiveness. In Psalm 34, verse 8, we read, Taste and see that the Lord is good. God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy wrapped in his son, Jesus Christ, is amazing. He cancels the debt of my sin through his son. That's why his son went and died on the cross, was raised from the dead. And if I believe and trust in him, his purchase, his price of his life pays our debt. Our amazing debt. Not many people realize this at times. Our incredible debt, which was more than 10,000 talents, 200,000 years worth of work. No matter how hard I try, no matter how good I try to be, no matter what I do in church and coming and going, it's all down to the heart of the master. And then we read the master's a good master, a good, good father, a good God. Because what does he do with that man initially? He cancels the debt. This is what God does for you and I. He wants us to drink, to drink of his forgiveness at the fountain. His fountainhead is his, through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ Now, when we received, we need to release that. Jesus teaches that if you receive this forgiveness, you need to release this forgiveness too. It's the foundation of life. And so what we've received needs to be released. We've been forgiven and are called to be forgiving. Jack W. Hayford uh, written a great book called Giving, The Key to Everything. And in that book, on page 40, he says this, The forgiven are called to be forgiving. Jesus teaches this. As you've been forgiven, now you forgive. If you don't forgive, then you won't be forgiven. You won't feel forgiven. And uh, there's this understanding that what we've received, I need to release. I release. I need to come back and drink from the fountain. And we'll look at that in a moment. We need to refresh ourselves. This is why we need to come and refresh and be restored and renewed. I'll talk about that in a second. But I also need to release. And as I'm refreshed and restored and renewed, I can then go and release and continue to release. Because Jesus said 70 times 7, to live this releasing life, this life that is generous, this life that is open. And we do that in the power of God's agape. Because I can't do it in my strength and my love. Remember, we've talked about this. Uh, You'd have to listen to it online. Can't go into it. I haven't got the time to go back over that, that now. But forgiven, we're forgiven and we're called to be forgiven. We're called to live a life of releasing grace. Forgiveness is the foundation of life. Second thing, so Jesus is stressing this. This is so important. This is a kingdom value. Second thing that comes from this story is this. Um, It can be easy to be forgetful. What point was I going to make again in a minute? It can, can it not? It's so easy to be forgetful. Oh, come on. We are. I am. It, it is. And this is a story of a forgetful man. Because this man had been forgiven from 200,000 years worth of work. He'd been forgiven. And he forgot. He forgot very quickly. Human nature forgets. I forget. Oh, good Christian friend. If you're visiting or if you're here, run around. I, I, I talk about me. I won't talk about you. I'll just talk about me. I know the filthy person that I am. I do get forgetful. And it can be so easy to be forgetful. Forgotten grace breeds unforgiving living. This is a story of forgotten grace. Forgotten grace breeds unforgiving living. When we forget, that's when we start to live unforgiving. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Because it's shown in the story. This man forgot. When we are quick to judge that person, critical of others but turn a blind eye to myself, are quick to jump to conclusions, and we don't give the benefit of the doubt. You're right, 
Everyone else is wrong. Or I'm right and you're all wrong. There's something unyielding, unforgiving in, in that. And, you know, and we can all fall into that. Now there's a process to forgetfulness. And the process to forgetfulness is something a bit like this. And it's not definitive, but three points. We become disorientated. As a Christian, we can become very disorientated. Uh, Mike last week shared a great message about powerful living. And in it, he told a story of a pilot that was upside down. And they didn't realize they were upside down. They got disorientated. When they pulled the throttle, they went into the ground. And he, he, he made a great statement. He said, because we live a fast-paced life. Listen to his message from last week. It's a great, great message. Because we live a fast-paced life, and I'm stealing his illustration again because it was that good. Because we live a fast-paced life, this, this pilot got disorientated and went into the ground. And so too, you and I, the pace of life, the consumer society that we live in, it disorientates good Christian heart. You know, we, we, we're sincere. We mean well. We do love God. We're here. We want to follow God. But the life we live is quick. It's paced. It's consumer. It's this. It's that. And before you know it, we can get, it's so easy to get disorientated. It's so easy. Life can knock you. Things can hurt you. You get knocked off balance. You get disorientated. The second, if we're disorientated, it leads, if we continue, to get, become dulled. Our heart can become dulled. Something gets a bit not clear, not as clear anymore. You know, it's not shiny and new. My faith doesn't feel quite that I'm in that place that I used to be in. We become dulled. And if we continue to become dulled after being disorientated, we can become deadened. We forget. It's so easy. There's a process. We become deadened. This is why when we're disorientated, Jesus says, seek first. Make God your priority. If, if we're in that stage where we're becoming a bit dulled, then Jesus says, you can become alive in Christ, alive in me. And if, you know, to stop us being deadened is what we treasure. We've been looking at this. We've looked at all these things. Treasure in our heart, our relationship with Jesus. But it's easy to become forgetful. And that's exactly what this man uh, did. And um, he fell into that trap of um, forgetfulness. And finally, so it can happen to us all. Finally, we'll conclude with this. Unforgiving living. This story tells us that life is built on a foundation of forgiveness. We've looked at what that is. It's easy to become forgetful. And I don't look at anyone else. I just look at myself before God. And finally, um, unforgiving living damages you, me, and others. It's bad for your health. Spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. You know, God wants the best for you and I. He loves us that much. He's a good, good father. He lavishes love. He lavishes forgiveness. He's so generous. And that generosity, he wants us to live and be released in that agape also. So, um, what it does, it puts you in prison. You see the end of the story, it says there that the master comes back to that servant he'd forgiven and put him back into prison to be tortured by the torturers until he could pay his debt. Uh, the idea there is this, um, you know, we become imprisoned. Uh, unforgiveness, what it, what it does, uh, um, and I don't say this lightly, I speak from experience. So I speak from experience. But unforgiveness, it, it works along the lines of you owe me or I owe you. There's a debt. That's why Jesus, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's an interesting translation. 
There's this idea of owing and debts, and it locks us in. There's this idea of imprisonment. It locks you. It locks me. That's why it's bad for our health and our spirit. And Jesus tells this story not in a vindictive way, because he loves us, and he loves you and I so much, he doesn't want us to be locked in. He doesn't want us to be imprisoned and in pain. He wants us to be free and fruitful. That's the idea of the, God's heart. This isn't a vindictive story. This is a story to say, don't fall into this, but be fruitful. And uh, so we can be locked in uh, to this owing, and you owe me, and I owe you. And, and do you know what? Today, a lot of research has been done into psychosomatic illness. Psychosomatic illness is um, thinking can affect the way we feel emotionally, m- memories, and it comes out in our body. Psycho is thinking, somatic, body. And um, not that all unforgiveness means that we'd be ill, but there is a link. There is some link. There's a bit of a link uh, to this in things like... So, you know, certain, certain illnesses and, that come out in our body can be linked to um, certain trauma and worry and anger and bitterness. Not that all bitter people are ill because of it. I'm not saying that, but there is, there is some research that links it from time to time. And, um, you know, we can be given over to the torturers. uh, So we can be locked in, feel like we're in prison. I can't get out of this. Can't get these thoughts out of my head. Can't get that person out of my life. I can't get this injustice. Uh, Oh, I said that with venom, didn't I? (laughs) So you can tell where I can come from from time to time. I can't get this injustice out of my body. You get locked in. That's the prison, you see. And then uh, the torturers are things like bitterness. Tortured by anger, tortured by resentment, tortured by hatred. They're the attack. Uh, Or the ones that go internal, worry. Tortured by anxiety, tortured by guilt. You see, forgiveness helps us be guilt-free. It's releasing. Beautiful. Beautiful. We can be released. So we're created by and for releasing grace. God who is love, created us in his image. Do you know you were designed for releasing grace? You're made. You are beautifully made, and I are made in the image of God. All people are, every human being. Our DNA, our spiritual DNA, I would say our literal DNA, made in the image of God, we were designed to be released in this releasing grace, to be limitless, to be generous, just as our Father in heaven is generous. He created us that way. Everything gets messed up when we recoil. When we release, we can be fruitful. When we release in God, heart, love, and life, we can be fruitful. But if we recoil, that's when things dry up. And we're called, what we've received, we're called to release. We've been called to release. It's our responsibility. It's not God's. This morning... When we receive his love, we're called to release that love. It's your responsibility. God will release you. And then it's up to you to live out that life, the kingdom life, in the power of his Holy Spirit, in the love of God, in the overflow of a reservoir, of an overflow of love and mercy that is more than enough that I can give away. Isn't it interesting? At the end of the story, you see there, it doesn't say that the second, you know, the, the unforgiving servant puts a fellow servant in jail. In prison, it doesn't say you let him go. Unforgiveness does, is bad for your health and the health of others. It imprisons others as well. And that story doesn't end with the other person being let go, who owed only 100 days. 
He's still stuck in prison. It's up to us. It's up to us. We have a responsibility. It's our responsibility. So it's easy to be forgetful. And so forgetful hearts, I, it's easy for me to be forgetful. And it's dangerous for my health and the health of others. So with this, some three things that we can do in our hearts and lives. Number one, daily I can realign. I can realign my heart. I come before God and bring my life before God. I can do that each day because Jesus said this is elastic. This is 77 times. This is limitless. And that, that's still, I don't know about you, but when I read that story, it feels like a tall order. In my own strength, it is. But in God's supply of love and mercy that he pours into me every day, that he could pour into you every day, you can then minister out of that inpouring. And so we're called to realign our lives. I would say realign your life every day. Realign. Bring our hearts and our minds in line with the kingdom of God. Because we live in a consumer culture, and yet we're called to live in the kingdom culture. And so I bring my heart and my mind before God. My pain, my worry, my concern, my upset. It's not wrong to cry. It's not wrong to be upset. It's not even wrong to be angry. But I can bring myself and realign my heart with the kingdom of God. And as I begin to come to him and and call upon him and line up my heart with him and wrestle and the pain that we feel and the challenge that we might feel, an amazing thing begins to happen. I begin to become refreshed. You see, we need to drink from the fountain of forgiveness continually. Jesus said, come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you a drink that will just well up. See, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. As I realign, an amazing thing happens. And it's all done by the wonderful master. He's a good, good father. He begins to pour in fresh mercy, fresh love, fresh hope, forgiveness. That's why when you speak to people, they say, do you know, it's as if something just came off my life. It's as if I can't quite put my finger on it. I felt free because God begins to pour in. When I set my heart to realign, God starts to supernaturally, his sovereign love, his sovereign goodness pours into my life. You know, we talk about being refreshed, times of refreshing. Once a month on a Sunday night, we have an evening called Renew. Our Renew evening is for this exact opportunity to refresh, restore, realign. Come to our Renew evenings. Uh, Second Sunday of the month in our evening gatherings are for Renew. They're for to restore, to refresh. It's so powerful to drink from the fountain of forgiveness. Come and drink. Come and drink from the fountain of forgiveness. It's inexhaustible. There's an overflow. Jesus said, I've come to give life in all of its abundance. And when that happens, finally, we to release what we have received. Jesus said, go and forgive and you will feel forgiven. But if you do not forgive, you will not feel forgiven. Release. Just give that away. Give something away. Begin to start to give that away. Release that person. Release that thought. Give that away. And then an amazing thing happens. You will feel incredibly released in your own heart and life. Amen. Let's pray. Be great. We're going to sing together as we close. But I want us to give an opportunity to come and drink. Uh, I'm very conscious that when I was speaking, as I'm speaking this morning and preparing for this morning, um, I just want to drink of the forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. Um, This is not a message to get at us, but it's an invitation to come and drink at the fountain of forgiveness. And it's not you've got to do this or got to do that. This is you and between you, I, and our Heavenly Father for us to come and drink at His fountain.
there's a fountain of forgiveness. It's not just a once-in-a-lifetime drink that we can come again and again before a great heavenly Father and realign our hearts, become refreshed. And then when we become refreshed, we're able to just go and release, go and let go. Heavenly Father, this morning, I'm just so conscious that as I speak, there are going to be people that are hurting here. It just stands to reason with with a great crowd of people that there's going to be some. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you, at this moment, at this hour, this very second, would just minister as only you can to our hearts and minds. We come this morning as recipients of incredible mercy and love. I could never, ever have earned your love. 200,000 years of work is nothing. It's, it's a light, it's infinity. And yet, you died for us, Lord Jesus, while I was still a sinner. I'm, I'm amazed. I'm just bowled over. You've redeemed my life from the pit, says David the psalmist. I understand what that means now. The great chasm is now gone. I just pray that a real sense of incredible mercy would just come and touch people's hurting hearts here now, Father God. Holy Spirit, would you just come and where people are hurting, bruised, broken, feel abandoned, let down by others, let themselves down. You feel they've let them down. I've let people down. Others have let us down. Would you just come, Holy Spirit, and just put your arms around. Lord Jesus, come. We drink of your love and your great mercy. Let healing flow. Let forgiveness flow. We open up our hearts to receive. Come and refresh. Now I pray, Father God, that a supernatural power will be released in this place and in us and through us. No one's going to know what's going to happen. Only you and they. But a release will come upon us right now. Break the chains, Lord God, that have been over the many years, perhaps for some of us. Break the chains of pain, grief, guilt, bitterness, anger, anxiety. Just come and do it, Holy Spirit.